0: Hello and welcome back to What is Life, Dude. We are Sarah and Eric.
1: Welcome back. I hope you guys are having a good week, having a good Thanksgiving week, whatever you guys have planned.
0: A happy almost Thanksgiving to right. everyone.
1: Right. Uh, so today's episode is going to be like a low-pressure episode because neither of us slept particularly well last night. We mm-hmm. were both kind of tossing and turning. I'm not even sure why. Yeah. Um. Till like 3 a.m. <laughs> Sarah was
0: wondering if there was a full moon last night, right, which, is, which could have been the reason why mm-hmm. we couldn't fall asleep. But no, it was in fact a waxing gibbous.
1: <laughs> right. So today instead, so originally we had planned to kind of do a deep dive. I wanted to kind of talk about s- some things that I'm currently struggling with or trying to learn from right now, because I feel like sometimes it can just help other people when you kind of talk about your, you know, your struggles, mm. things you're trying to grow from. But you know, since we're both like a little a little low energy this afternoon, we decided to do something that could be a little bit more fun, but I think it could still be educational, and we're yeah. both just going to talk about previous jobs that we have held.
0: And what we've learned from them, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, f- I feel like with so many experiences I had when I was younger, I didn't learn what I needed to learn about them until like recently. Yeah. Like I'll I'll definitely learn stuff just during... The recording of this episode mm-hmm. by talking about it.
1: Yeah, taking the time to reflect on things that have happened in the past, it sometimes puts into perspective exactly how much you did grow from them. And I think especially with like, you know, the entry level jobs you've held in the past, sometimes you can just brush it, it off as like a...
0: Oh, I just I had a job. Yeah, forever. I just
1: needed to make a, a quick buck. <laughs> or actually not a quick buck. It's actually a very low-pay jobs that I've held earlier, but...
0: It's not quick, and it's less than a buck.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the entire point of this episode, I think, is just, you know, from all of the previous jobs I've held, there was no clear, like, line of sight to the job I have now. And Eric and I both work, you know, in the creative field now. We're both self-employed, which is really cool. Um, You know, it has its own challenges. You have to work, Really hard when you are in charge of your time. Um, and you have to be accountable to yourself, which, you know, an entirely different topic. But um, it's definitely like we, neither of us could imagine going back to working for someone else.
0: Yeah. Right. That, that ain't going to happen, Chief.
1: And both of us dealt with like a lot of unhappiness and desperation when we were working, you know, our nine to five jobs. And so I just kind of wanted to share how, you know, a series of seemingly unconnected jobs and and circumstances might end up getting you to, you know, the career that you are actually dreaming of, you know?
0: Can we talk about something real quick before we segue into that topic? Mm -hmm. You don't know I'm going to bring this up, but (laughs) last night... Sarah mentioned to me she was like, "Oh, have you ever heard of Jim Carrey's story about the ten million dollar check?" Mm. And I was like, "No, what are you talking about?" <laughs> so she told me to go on YouTube and search for it. So in 1997, Jim Carrey went on the Oprah Show. The Orpa Show. Oh,
1: 97.
0: Yeah. Mm. So he went on the show, and Oprah was like, "Oh, I've I've heard that you're that you're a purveyor of is that the right word <laughs> a purveyor of like spiritual." um like law of attraction Doesn't a
1: purveyor mean you like sell things or you have th- like a purveyor of <laughs> fine goods
0: okay I used, <laughs> I used that word incorrectly right but she asked if he was someone who practiced that, that yeah. kind of thing and he was like yeah so she led him into the story right and he was like he said like 10 years before that Um, like in the late eighties, he was a struggling actor and he was in LA and he said he used to drive up to like some certain point and like look out and be like, I'm going to live in one of those houses. Yeah. yeah. Like that's going to be my future. Mm -hmm. So he, one, one time he grabbed his checkbook and he wrote a check to himself for $10 million. And he put it in his wallet. For
1: acting services rendered. Right. I acting, always love that part.
0: Acting services rendered. <laughs> and he kept it in his wallet for the next 10 years. And in his words, it was like degrading and falling apart in I don't his know wallet. if it even
1: took a full 10 years. Yeah? I think it may have taken a, a few. I don't know.
0: I, I think it was less. I think he said it happened in 87. And then in 1995, I think, mm-hmm. he said he got cast in Dumb and Dumber. And they wrote him a check for $10 million. <laughs>
1: right. That's... I know. That's where the
0: applause That's
1: why goes. I love watching documentaries or watching interviews about like people's origin stories, like celebrities or entrepreneurs, whatever. Mm. And I just love to know that people come from, you know, really limited means and they're at the point where, you know, we are now or even at the point where we used to be, you know, working in a coffee shop or whatever. And there's just always time. You know, you never want to write your life off as being over or your current circumstances is like the furthest you'll get Mm -hmm. so i like that story a lot
0: yeah i thought that was really cool
1: i'd like for us to watch i've already watched this but the what is it called man on the moon
0: oh uh the documentary jim and andy yeah
1: mm -hmm. man
0: on the moon is
1: the film
0: it's a film about andy kaufman who i don't really know anything about
1: I don't know much either.
0: He was a he was a comedian back in the day, mm-hmm. but I think it's where Jim Carrey got a lot of his style and shtick.
1: Yeah, so it's actually crazy. I guess Jim Carrey like method acted this I don't even know if it's method acting, but he was like straight up channeling this guy's spirit or something mm-hmm. to the point where he cuz the, the actor that he was playing in the film was dead mm-hmm. and like he was like communicating with the actor's children and family oh, was as he? him is pretty crazy that's but bizarre yeah but jim and andy is a documentary about his, his about jim carrey playing this role and just being crazy and so yeah. jim
0: and andy is a documentary about <laughs> jim carrey playing andy kaufman <laughs> yes. in the film man on the moon yeah god i just wanted to say it out loud yeah to make it make sense yeah we'll watch that
1: i mean jim Carrey's crazy i mean i think in a great way he's super intense i mm-hmm. don't know i relate to him a lot yeah yeah
0: so that's the jim carrey story Yeah. Um, Before we get into our topic, do you think it's time for our supporter shout out? Great. So every week, we do our little supporter shout out. Mm -hmm. And we just want to take a moment and thank the people who give us a monthly donation to support our podcast. Yeah. So those people are Inga Pfeiffer, Alexis May, Jennifer, Samantha McIntyre, Kevin Dooley, Nina Schmidt. Izzy, Quinn, Anna Dureka, Megan Stewart, Dylan Shobin, and Sarah Creighton.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, guys. The
0: list keeps getting long I, every time I read it. It's yeah. There there are more people on there, which is great.
1: Right, and we use the donations to fund our music projects.
0: Yeah, just um, you have to pay for cover licenses when you mm-hmm. upload a cover song because the original artist has to get paid, so we right. use that money to go towards that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's just our little creative fund, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah. And another good way you can support our podcast is by if you listen through, I guess even if you don't listen through Apple um, or iTunes, you can go on iTunes and the iTunes Store and leave us a a rate and a review because mm-hmm. that helps more people. It's like when someone tells you about a podcast, you go look at Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts, and if they have like one review, yeah. you're like, oh, this is whatever. But if they have a lot of reviews, right. you're more like, oh, people are must be good. Right, must be good. so so that would be much appreciated
1: yeah and we did finally catch up with our emails some of which were a couple months old we apologize
0: a couple months meaning may Mm -hmm. but it was nice i emailed some people and i mean a lot of the people who emailed us are also supporters yeah and i'm like oh i recognize your name because i say it on the podcast every Mm -hmm. week it is really
1: nice nice to just relate to people on like a human level you know Mm -hmm. because i don't know it feels like we're sometimes like talking into a void because we're just sitting two people in a room but it's like there are real people on the other end and i love Mm -hmm. when you guys share stories and it's cute it's real cute it's nice
0: (laughs) so thank you guys for writing in yeah on to the topic
1: yeah who wants to start when did you get your first job
0: uh i guess i'm starting i got my first job (laughs) okay so my first job was babysitting oh that's the first job I ever had.
1: How'd you decide to do that?
0: So my sister Lauren babysat for a family down the street from us, mm-hmm. and then I think at some point I started going with her oh. and like met the kids, yeah, and like watched her babysit. This is the memory I have maybe I mean Lauren's boyfriend listens to the podcast, I think mm-hmm. so if you're listening, ask her and let me know if that's uh, <laughs> if that's an accurate <laughs> representation of what happened. But yeah, and then at some point, I think, I guess she went to college and then I took over and I started watching the kids. So that was like the first job I had. <laughs> what a stressful first job. Really? I mean, letting kids watch other kids. as... Oh, jo- how,
1: so wait, how old were you, did you just say?
0: I think when I started going with Lauren, I was like 15. Okay. Yeah. But as John Mulaney, the comedian would say, "It's like having a horse watch a dog. <laughs> it's just like, you don't. I didn't know. I
1: mean, you're just keeping them safe, essentially, right? I was trying. Yeah.
0: Can I tell you a story Mm -hmm. about another family I babysat? I was... I feel like I've talked about this before. Hmm. But there's this other family I babysat for in the neighborhood that stopped asking me to babysit for them because the young or the middle child Mm -hmm. told his parents that I burnt him with a lighter.
1: What? Have I told you this? No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know why I would have had a, li- a lighter. I wasn't a smoker. <laughs> I don't know where this child came well, up with this. Well,
1: that's very odd.
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. he
1: burnt himself with a lighter, and then he was like, oh, easy uh Let's blame it on Eric. Wrote.
0: Well, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it as an adult, I'm like, if the parents actually believed that that had happened, wouldn't they have taken, like, legal action? So yeah. I feel like the parents were probably like, um, okay, bud, but... You don't like... Eric. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So that was a weird memory that I just had. Mm-hmm. What about you? What was your first job?
1: Oh, my first job. What was it? Um, <laughs> I-, I think it was doing research at-, at Stanford just for like credits. I didn't really get paid for it. Oh, okay. But you could do research like you could just approach a professor in the your department and do all sorts of things for them. I did like a lot of Data entry stuff. I ran some research, um, like experiments. You know where people come in and then you give them a task. So I was just kind of there doing the administrative stuff, mm. checking them in, reading, um, reading the instructions, and then they gave me like a big wad of five dollar bills to pay them or however much the incentive was.
0: Mm. Yep. So you didn't have a job in high school?
1: No, I did a ton of. Um, Community service, though, which really? you kind of have to to get into a, a university like that.
0: Is that true? I don't know anything about this. Um,
1: I think that it's pretty commonplace. Yeah.
0: So, like, they look at your application, they're like, "Oh, she."
1: They want to. Sorry, see... I'm going to say it.
0: She was valedictorian, but also she <laughs> did community service.
1: Right. Well, they want to see that you're involved in your community, that you're giving back. They like to see also like an extensive record of working for one cause. So, okay, I did a lot of volunteer work. I I did a lot of volunteer work at the library, just like shelving books and stuff. Mm. I used to volunteer a lot at the we had a children's museum, which is like a it's actually a really cool place. I wonder if it's still open. <laughs> I used to love that place. But it's just like a big museum with a bunch of different stations for art, like that a big a big uh bug like a car that you could oh. just paint and like uh just all sorts of cool stuff. So I would go help clean around there and like guide activities for kids in arts and crafts and
0: that, that seems, feels like
1: a long time ago.
0: It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many years ago was that?
1: Well, <laughs> I graduated high school in 2009. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I just I, I keep thinking about how young I was when I was babysitting children. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, for the most part, all you have to do is like make sure they don't burn the house down. Mm-hmm. But like, they want you to make cookies with them and stuff. And I'm like, they could literally burn the house down right now. Right. And then they fight. And I just, I feel like it's a lot of responsibility for a child, a high schooler sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think about what I learned from that. I think I learned that, um, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to jokingly say it, that you I don't, don't want to have kids. kids, but who knows? The jury's still out. But yeah, it's just, I mean, who who came up with the idea to let high schoolers watch their small children?
1: I mean... They know you, you know? Yeah. And they know that they probably knew your family, too. Yeah. So they knew, they trust your dad, right? And they trust that your dad would, you know, make sure that you weren't doing anything you're responsible to.
0: Yeah. So. But I, I think I've always had this, like, knack for bonding with kids. You do. And being, like, the fun guy, but mm-hmm. also, like, the stern guy.
1: Yeah. It really works. It's, like, very in keeping with your personality, I think. Yeah. You're very... Like you stick up for yourself and you set boundaries, but it never comes off in like a confrontational way, Mm. unless you're trying to be, you know, whereas I'm just like, I could never babysit children because I just don't know how to relate to them Mm. because I'm very, very bad disciplinarian. So,
0: I mean, it's making me think that I must have always had confidence in myself Mm -hmm. to like go watch children when I was that age. right? Um, So that, I don't know that feels good yeah it's nice to kind of feel that way Mm -hmm. like huh okay okay because that's it sounds like a hard thing to do now and i'm Mm. an adult
1: right and it's (laughs) funny we've never gotten to babysit because we had so much family around in colorado we never Mm -hmm. got to babysit you know our what are they what's their relationship to us
0: um they're my second cousins cousins.
1: okay second cousins
0: so they're your second cousin Mm -hmm. in-laws yeah i guess yeah um okay so after that Mm -hmm. what was your first job you got paid for
1: my first job i got paid for well i later then did get paid to do research because after i graduated i was still doing that but like my first like job that i only ever got paid for that wasn't that didn't start on like a credit for credit basis was i worked at a library I worked at the library on Stanford campus, Green Library, and I worked in the media and microtext section.
0: Are there like eight libraries at Stanford? There's a lot. Yeah,
1: there really are a lot. Actually, one of them that I spent a lot of time in when I was studying there has been torn down. Oh, Meyer Library, and Why? now there's just like a, a little area with flowers and concrete
0: benches. Why did they tear it down? Too yeah, many libraries? I don't know
1: i don't know that was a weird one because that was a 24-hour library and people would like go there and fall asleep during finals week i think i may have like fallen asleep there before
0: i only ever like did work or studied at the library at ithaca like a handful of times Mm -hmm. over four years Mm -hmm. i just if we had to like meet in a group for a class we would do it at the library but i wouldn't go there to do homework it's so distracting there's so many people around
1: yeah see my circumstance was different because at the time i did not get along with my roommate so i did whatever i could to not spend time in my room yeah yeah
0: we should talk we should do a whole episode about college yeah (laughs) i I mean i just i think about i think about myself now and Mm -hmm. i'm like college would be so much better oh yeah if i now went to college right i was like so afraid of things Mm -hmm. I I don't know I feel like I could have just done so much more in college yeah and had such a better time
1: I agree and it's weird because I got a lot of scholarship money my parents did pay a little bit but you know it was mostly on someone else's dollar and just you know provided that I performed well enough academically and when I think about that like all getting like almost a free ride I'm like shit I could have taken way better advantage of everything that's offered there. But I just, like, I didn't have a sense of who I was at all. You know, I I guess it's taken me to, like, now to really feel like I do. But, like, I, I mean, I changed my major so many times because I just did not know what I wanted to do. My thought was, like, college is, like, a slide that shoots you out into your career for the rest of your life. And I'm like, well, do Mm -hmm. I want to be an engineer? Do I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever? And... Really, I mean, I ended up majoring in psychology only after I had my psych break. And I was like, oh, well, I should probably learn more about the human mind so maybe I can help other people. So that's kind of like where my interest in psychology and self-development and all that stuff started. But like I would if I could go back, man, I'd take so many art classes. I take so many music classes. And it's just crazy because you're never going to have that experience again of your only responsibility being to learn and i know a lot of people have to work their way through college too so i was i was very fortunate in that way but life is never going to be like that again you know
0: yeah i just feel like i i I was so distracted by other things for mm. four years mm. like that i never like i feel like if i went now i'd be like will it more willing to learn right and more excited about learning but it was always just like oh can't wait to get out of class so i can do this Oh, can't wait to finish my homework so I could do this. Yeah. And you're like, what did you learn in college? And I'm like, hmm, nothing.
1: (laughs) You made a few connections. I mean, I
0: definitely learned stuff, but the amount I could have absorbed from Mm -hmm. all of my classes that weren't explicitly like audio classes. Yeah. I just, it it just sucks. Mm -hmm. Right. And I also did it on somebody else's dime. Yeah. So it just, it feels, feels bad.
1: Feels bad, man. Yeah. But (laughs) anyway. So where were we? Uh, a library. Mm-hmm. So media microtext. All I basically all I do is like Stanford has a huge library of like DVDs and Blu-rays and video games and stuff, and you can rent. I don't know. There was probably a limit on how many you could rent, but it's all behind like um, a wall, a big wall, and it ha- They have those like high tech shelving units that are motorized. You know, so you you can fit a lot into a small space. And you're like, open this aisle for me, and they all slide over. So like, some would be like, get me these titles, and um, then I check them out to them. Mm. And then occasionally, people would come in. Have you ever seen like a microtext machine, Mm -mm. a microtext reader? These big machines that they have like documents. It's usually like old documents, historical documents, um, some scientific stuff on like tiny little film. And I would just help people use the machines so they could do their research and scan stuff
0: thinking about you in any job where you have to like (laughs) communicate constantly with strangers Mm. it makes me uncomfortable on your behalf
1: that was like one of the best jobs it was so low pressure because it's like there there was like a pretty constant stream of people especially like on you know friday night Mm. but like in the dead time like i had my computer open i could do whatever i wanted i could study i could work on homework and yeah, it was just very chill.
0: What did What do you feel like was the hardest thing about that job that you l- got something out of,
1: mm, if there was one? I don't think there was. It was just like a nice part time like job for a student. Yeah, I kept working it too a little bit after I graduated.
0: I feel like having this conversation. I'm think I'm just realizing that every job I've had, mm-hmm. I've felt like just I've never been passionate about doing it sure until now
1: yeah but you know it's nice to have a job where like you know when you were working at the warehouse even if you didn't like it you could mm-hmm. listen to a podcast yeah, in theory. yeah like you had a little bit of sovereignty over mm-hmm. where your mind was
0: yeah and and I was friends with everyone who worked there with me mm-hmm. and it was fun yeah I mean sometimes it was too much fun
1: like when you play cookie clicker for 10 hours
2: Mm -mm,
0: never did that (laughs) never played a flash game on the computer (laughs) all day when i was supposed to be supervising people would never do that uh anyway (laughs) okay so after babysitting Mm -hmm. i when i was a senior in high school i got a job at gino's pizza in northport new york I was well, it's a public place. I can say the name, right? Sure. Yeah, why they can look it up on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Um and I was a delivery boy.
1: Boy. <laughs> I was
0: not a delivery man <laughs> yet. I was definitely still a delivery boy. Mm-hmm. Now that job was almost the perfect job for like being in high school or college mm-hmm. and just like making money. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz you're not looking for a job that like fulfills you cuz you work it 25 hours a week and then Right. Then you're done,
1: and then you're like, "Oh my god, I have so much money!" And you have like a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Except yeah. I had a
0: lot of money from that job. Yeah. That job, for tips. Hmm. Hmm. Well, when you deliver food in a wealthy neighborhood, yeah. Sometimes you get that that twenty dollar tip, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah. I. I can't even imagine having enough money to tip the delivery person $20. Well,
1: you could, you know, if you made it a priority. <laughs> <laughs> we, we One day. <laughs> we
0: rarely ever even get food delivered. Right. But Because was, we're too cheap. Right. <laughs> I would love to just be the guy who... Oh, we're, we're going to their house. You know we're getting tipped 100 bucks. Oh, yeah. That'd be great.
1: Was that the case? Were there certain houses where you were like... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'd recognize addresses and be like... Like, you'd try... <laughs> you would try to like line yourself up for the good order Mm -hmm. so it's like if there was an address you recognized where you knew you were going to get a good tip like three orders down and you were like second in line right because it would just roll Mm -hmm. you would like go to the bathroom or or (laughs) go to like like the stock room wow and let someone else take oh i guess i we don't know where eric is so you go next and then you're like oh i got the third one (laughs) we would always do that to each other
1: well it's funny when you talk about that being like the perfect job for you because for me holy shit i hate knocking on people's doors and i hate driving so that would be the worst job for me
0: one time my family came from colorado Mm -hmm. they came to new york and they all wanted to go to the beach. So my dad, my stepmom, and my aunts. And my dad was like, hey, can I take your car today? Because you have an SUV. I feel <laughs> like I may have told the story. I think you have. Yeah. But they were like, my dad was like, can I take the RAV so we can go to the beach? And I was like, yeah, but I have to go to work. And he's like, oh, you can take my car. And my car, my, my car, my dad had an Audi at mm-hmm. that point, I think he was leasing. So I got terrible tips that day because everyone right. was like you're a delivery boy driving an Audi. i don't need to give you a good tip and i was like it's no it's my dad's it's not mine
1: <laughs> that's really funny actually yeah it was upsetting. also you know what else is really funny i think we've talked about this before you and i but like do you remember when pizza was the only thing that people had delivered
2: yes isn't
1: that so weird and random it's like yeah. pizza is the only thing And like now, you can just have any kind of food delivered. You can have Taco Bell delivered. Right. You can have a five dollar meal from Taco Bell delivered to you.
0: Right. And I'm like, (laughs) do restaurants even have delivery people anymore, or is it just Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats? I think occasionally they do. Why are there so many of them?
1: It's so many competing like delivery platforms. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I mean, that's good. That's I think it's like like like, good um, capitalism, right? good
1: capital yeah a lot of people i think will drive for multiple at a time right and just whichever one
0: see that's the thing that bothers me mm-hmm. it's like neither uber and lyft are lucrative enough sometimes mm-hmm. to just do one and like you get into an uber or a lyft and they have both stickers on and right. they're just flipping between apps and i'm like that's it's like so much more stress
1: that would be another terrible job for me just because of the knocking on people's doors thing
0: you could if you drove for Uber or Lyft, you could put like a sign up in the back seat that says like deaf. So like no one talks think, to you. I don't think you can you drive if you're deaf though. Or like hard of hearing. You can just pretend not to hear people who talk to you. How
1: about just like a, I don't want to talk to you? No. Um, How about just not do it?
0: Most of the time, (laughs) you don't want the driver to really talk to you anyway. Mm -hmm. You just want to like be chauffeured around.
1: Well, see, that's what's so great about... I mean, this is one silver lining of the quarantine, which obviously is not to be taken lightly or anything, but like now all of the delivery platforms, it's the norm to just leave stuff at the door. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to talk to anyone.
0: (laughs) Right. Now... After this whole thing goes away, mm-hmm. we'll still be able to say just leave at the door, and yeah. everyone will be like, "Okay."
1: It's probably better for them anyway.
0: I can't wait to. I can't wait for like ten years from now. If I have a cold and need to go to the store to wear a mask, and like not feel
1: ten years from now.
0: You know what I mean? Just is like that the
1: next time you're gonna get sick.
0: <laughs> no, I just meant far <laughs> in the future, uh, like okay. far removed from this whole thing. Well, ten like, years
1: from now, I think we'll have eradicated all human illness, but. You think so? No, <laughs> not, not <laughs> even close. <laughs>
0: and just go wearing a mask and not feel – I would have never done that. I, n- yeah. I never even realized that it's a thing we should all be doing anyway, like yeah. when we have a cold.
1: Well, I, I do feel like it's changed our perspective on things a lot because I feel like Some anytime I've ever had a job and I've gotten sick, I felt really bad about calling out. Mm. And it's like a badge of honor to go in when you're sick yeah and try to work anyway. Yeah. But now it's like, no, God, for God's sake, stay home. like that's please. such a <laughs>
0: that's such a toxic element of, yeah, I mean, it's it's I want to say America, but it's not just America's workforce. I know there are a lot of cultures mm-hmm. um that have this toxic, like work all the time until you're dead because right. that makes you a good person. Right. And it's like, no, if you're sick, just stop just lay down until you're better,
1: right. I remember this was the case in my next job. At this little French cafe, French in quotes, because it was not by any means authentic French. It was American. I think it was founded, the original La Boulange or like La Boulangerie was founded by a French person, but then like they expanded and then Starbucks purchased them. And then there were like La Boulanges. They you, lost. I don't know French. How do you pluralize Boulange?
0: Boulange.
1: Les Boulanges. Boulanger. <laughs> Los Boulanges. Um, so there were a lot of them, and so I worked there next. I like was I was thinking like I really want to do pastry, go to pastry school, but that's a huge investment, especially when you've just graduated from a you know four year degree. So I was like, you know what? Let's get some hands on experience in the food and restaurant industry. So there was so there's Stanford campus. There's a long uh, road called Palm Drive that leads up to like the middle of the campus. And then Palm Drive continues on to University Avenue in Palo Alto, which is like the downtown area, lots of restaurants. And right at like the entrance of University Ave, there was a restaurant called La Boulange that I think I found the ad for the, the job at, on Craigslist or something. And yeah. I, I wanted to get hired in, in, like, the kitchen, but they ended up hiring me as, like, a barista and, like, cashier person because I, I was, like, fine, I'll do it since I...
0: Because it's, you're cute. You get tips.
1: Yeah. It's weird, you know, the way that jobs are now. It's, like, even if you have a degree or some sort of, like, certificate, all the jobs still want you to have, like, three to five years of like experience and i'm like well where am i supposed to get this am i supposed to do an unpaid internship for three years Mm.
0: isn't it funny that every millennial feels like that yeah like you know how many memes there are about that and people complaining on the internet about that yeah and i'm like how is it possible that everyone in our age range complains about that because it's a huge issue but
1: if you're like highly specialized it's a different story right like my partner in college like just got hired by a startup as a programmer right away and Mm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean I remember when I was looking for jobs out of college I saw stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's not just a meme. Like this is really how it is. They yeah. really say entry level job, but you need years of experience. And, and they're going to give you entry level pay for.
1: too. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird because I just felt like I had to take the cashier job because I needed experience working in a kitchen, but so I ended up working my way into the kitchen after some some time course you did but i do i i remembered this job because we were talking about that pressure to go to work when you were sick and it was very much like that at this job because i don't know if all restaurants are like this or like this type of restaurant but it was there's was really high turnover front of house and i actually you know front and back of house i guess And so it was like we were always just like a little too short-staffed and it was really bad if you like called in sick or like were even a little bit late. So I remember going to to work like kind of sick one day and like I think I actually threw up like I ran off to the bathroom and like threw up and only then were they like, okay, you go home.
0: You know, I recently subscribed to this uh, subreddit called (laughs) Anti-Work and it's basically, it's not as... It's not as like ridiculous as it sounds. <laughs> it's basically people who are against all of these, all of these things we're talking about, hmm. like not being, not getting paid enough, not being able to call in sick, things like that, mm-hmm. right? And people, I saw a post the other day where they were like, "You should be allowed to call in sick. Like it's not your fault that your workplace is understaffed. Like they should be prepared when." for people to be sick because that's a thing that happens and it shouldn't be part of our culture to not be allowed to call in sick right i think it's more they should plan for that
1: they should i think it is more complicated like just it's it's like when you are friends with people who you work with and you feel a sense of obligation to make their jobs not suck and you're Mm -hmm. like well if i don't go to work on a sunday and it's mother's day then they're gonna have a terrible terrible time yeah so i think that's a lot of it
0: right um, I don't know if I've told this story before. You definitely have heard it, but about how I almost worked at a cafe mm-hmm. as my first job. Mm. I got hired at this place called, was it Cafe Portofino or Portofino? I think it was the Portofino Cafe mm-hmm. uh, downtown where I grew up. We had like this little tiny main street that had like old, old rails going through it for like trolleys. And it was right by the water. And there's this cute little cafe I used to play open mics at. And I applied for a job there. And I got the job. I did one day of training. I learned how to use like the uh, the espresso machines and, like, make lattes and everything. And then before my first shift, I got diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> and I couldn't work the job. Mm-hmm. And I had to go in and tell the owner. I was like, hey, so I can't work here. And I told her, and she was like, "Uh, oh, my God, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was just, it was, like, very jarring, and it all happened very fast. Right. But I was excited about the job. It seemed seemed to be so cute. Cute.
1: Quaint. Yeah.
0: But the pizza job, Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about, I feel like I really learned how to be myself there, because everyone there was such, like, a big manly bully Mm -hmm. to, like, everyone else. You know how working in a restaurant is yeah right Mm -hmm. and i don't know i was just like this little chubby high schooler and i everyone like picked on me kind of and i feel like i learned over my time there how to stick up for myself a little Mm -hmm. because sarah knows like with my family i can be very inflammatory and i have no (laughs) problem like sticking to my guns around people i know right Mm -hmm. but when it's like a workplace thing you like don't want to you don't want to
1: stir the pot Ruffle right. any feathers. Right. So
0: this went on long enough where, I mean, it wasn't like I was like being bullied, bullied, but like, yeah, you, know, you just get picked on, you know? And I feel like after years of coming back for like for summer break and working there during the summers, I just, it got to a point where I really stood up for myself like in weird ways Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where i stood up my stood up for myself and then got fired because Mm -hmm. of it and i feel like it was for the better because that's who i am now Mm -hmm. you
1: know yes
0: what are you thinking about
1: nothing i was listening to your story oh
0: it looked it looked like you were zoning out ready to say something
1: no i was just listening
0: oh um yeah I don't know that's that's kind of what I feel like I've gained I gained from that job okay and maybe not much else
1: so when you got fired what was your next move were you like okay I'm not working or did you immediately go try to find another job or what
0: well I already had another job so it was kind of fine that I got fired Mm -hmm. I was that was the first summer I started working at a local summer camp with like all of my friends Mm -hmm. and three days a week I would go from camp and deliver after work So it was like fine because I had the other job. But the reason I got fired is because I hurt myself at camp. I was like playing basketball with a group of the kids Mm -hmm. and I twisted my ankle and I couldn't drive. Mm -hmm. So I told them I was like, hey, I can't drive. And they were like, just come pick up your paycheck. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, did you just fire me? And they were like...
1: I'm curious how your family reacted to this news.
0: I don't remember Mm -hmm. actually because... I I know part of it they were like oh you've had a bad attitude recently and like this is just and I'm like okay you should fire me for having a bad attitude not for hurting myself and then right it was just it was a weird it was a weird situation but I basically told them on my way out I was like you treat your employees really badly and no one here likes you because you're mean to everyone (laughs) so that's why I've had a bad attitude and they're like get out are they still open
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You'll, you'll see they, if if you look at their reviews on Google, yeah. they have amazing, everyone says they have amazing food, but people there are mean. Okay. So it's like, it's kind of their reputation, mm-hmm. but they do make good food. Right. Anyway, that we'll was... We'll never,
1: I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: it's honestly worth it. But that okay. was like my first real, real job.
1: Right. Yeah. Sweet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so then you're going into camp.
0: Then I worked at camp, which was, I was the... frog in my throat sorry i was the music counselor for this camp it was like uh what
1: it just makes me think of like dungeons and dragons and you being a bard
0: oh my god i just picture
1: you wearing like tights and like a little tunic and a leather belt and little like elf shoes i'm the music counselor
0: how did you know (laughs) yeah that was the the uniform that was the summer (laughs) i bought a lute and played it for the children (laughs) <laughs> and I said gather
1: around, gather around. I just round. see you <laughs> tapping <laughs> your heels.
0: I I did clicking, do that. A lot. sorry,
1: clicking your heels. I knew what you meant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this camp was like an, yeah. they had like they had every kind of program. It was like a very um general. Is it an arts camp? No. Oh. So that that's what I mean. They had a bunch of sports, they had art, they had music, they had boating was the big thing cuz it's a it's like a water water town it's an
1: underwater city (laughs) i come from the city of atlantis
0: (laughs) (laughs) a lost one (laughs) ever heard of it (laughs) yeah so i did i did the music thing and i just had like this little cabin and groups of kids would come with their counselors and i would have to do like a music lesson how you know that's a good question (laughs) i every year before camp started i had to like make a huge plan and it's it's difficult because the oldest kids are 13 and 14 and the youngest kids are five and six.
1: But are you getting them in different waves with like everyone the same age? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: So you'd get like all all the five five and six year old boys, and mm-hmm. then all of the eight to nine year old girls. Mm-hmm. And there were just there were some that some with, groups like,
1: instruments or like singing or what, um, or like elementary school music where you have like a xylophone and a few instruments, mm-hmm. and you're like you play the xylophone.
0: It was a bunch of. It was it was like yes, yes to all of those yes. things. Basically, um, we mostly just had little percussion. We had like a big box of old percussion, right? Which sometimes, if I was particularly particularly lazy or hungover, because we would have oh, a lot oh of my camp God. parties, we would I, I would have the kids do. Um, we would do like a little like conga line kind of around camp, where everyone would get a piece of percussion. And we'd be in a single file line and we'd walk around the entirety of camp, like banging on our instruments. And everyone would be like, oh, yay, they're doing that. And me and all the other counselors oh, yay, are like. Oh, yay, they're
1: doing that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's outside, There is Eric again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For the third day in a row, not doing a lesson, but having the kids run around camp banging instruments. Okay, so here's the best thing I ever did as a music counselor with like the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old girls were the best because they were old enough to, like, care and understand, and girls are much more open to music. Learning? Oh, music. Music specifically. Because, like, the boys, once the boys hit, like, 8, mm-hmm. they're, like, music's gay. Oh, okay. Like, it's just, like, that vibe mm-hmm. where they're, like, music isn't cool. Mm-hmm. Only sports are cool, and... Music is lame, Mm -hmm. right? So the girls were a lot easier to work with. And what we would do is there was a talent show at the end of every two-week session. Mm -hmm. And we'd, like, agree on a song, like a hot song from that summer. So Blank Space was one of them, Mm -hmm. one year. And we we, we would rewrite the lyrics to Blank Space about, like, their tribe, quote-unquote, like, their little um, Mm -hmm. group. And then we'd perform it at the talent show. And we could literally spend the entire two-week session working on one of these songs Mm -hmm. and like i would just split them up into groups and they would each like write and we'd rehearse and i'd play the guitar and sing wow and it was amazing it was (laughs) it was the easiest it was the easiest thing to do in my entire time there it was really hard with like the older boys because they didn't want to do squat it was like do you want to like make a song about basketball (laughs) (laughs) that's all they wanted to do was leave and play soccer or whatever um so at, at sometimes it was really hard and some points were super easy Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like it's like almost what i do now in a way it's like adjusting it's using my music musical ability and adjusting based on the client but instead of clients they were just different ages of children right children (laughs)
1: children um yeah would you do it again
0: i think i would Mm -hmm. yeah they'd have to pay me more Okay. because now I'm a professional musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
1: they'd have to fly you in for a special session.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the kids wouldn't care about it any more than they used to. <laughs> yeah, so that was that job. Um what about you? What was what came next in your journey?
1: Well, I I mean, I'll keep talking about the cafe because I worked so many positions there. You know what I think I realized there is like uh, I don't know, as as much as you think your work is like taking advantage of you and like running you ragged and they need you to survive, they don't, you know what I mean? Like you leave, I mean, I didn't leave, the thing got closed, but it's like, I don't know, I just felt so, it was weird because it was like I was kind of addicted to working there. It was like I would take up extra uh, shifts and stuff. Now that I look back on it, it's definitely because I didn't want to go home because of my relationship that I didn't want to be in, but I didn't know. So I would just like, and
0: that's not because there was no abuse situation. Going no, on.
1: I just didn't like him. <laughs> right,
0: I just wanted to clarify that for the the listeners.
1: Yeah, I liked being at work, and that was where all of my friends were. And interestingly enough, I don't talk to any of these people anymore because that was just such a different stage of my life. I was so like. I don't know. It's weird because I, yes, I said that I was working there because I wanted to get in like hands on experience in the industry, but also it was kind of like I didn't feel like I had a choice because I just, I had my degree, but I didn't want to work in, I didn't want to go get a master's or a PhD Mm -hmm. in counseling psychology and like counsel people because I just felt way too mentally ill myself to be in that position um so it was like i i kind of ended up there because i didn't know what else to do and i was like well this is really the only thing i have enough experience to do i could keep doing research on stanford campus but um so i was just really depressed when i was working there like between not knowing what my career should be or what my purpose was or if i would like ever be able to it's like when you when you leave College, and you don't have a plan, it makes it very difficult to feel like you can get anywhere ever again. Especially when a lot of the people that you know from your graduating class are like working in software or like they're engineers at a startup, like right down the block, and they're like Mm -hmm. coming into your restaurant on their coffee break, and you're like, shit, (laughs) I'm gonna go hide in the walk in. It's like, I don't know. It was just such a weird time. So, like, my friends at La Boulange, we would, like, just be drinking all the time. Sometimes we'd be drinking at work, like, on our break. I was, like, near the end there, especially when we knew we were... They So, Starbucks had bought the La Boulange, so they owned it. But then they decided, for some reason, to close them all. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to be closing in a couple months. If you stay with us to the end, we'll give you a bonus check. So, it was, like, an incentive not to go and quit and find another job so um it was just as soon as i knew it was closing we like all kind of just started going off the rails (laughs) we were just drinking all the time anyway
0: it's so funny that's like (laughs) so not in your personality now
1: yeah i can't even drink like half of a beer now without feeling bad
0: and me saying like oh yeah like we'd be hung over at camp the next day Mm -hmm. i'm like what? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. I, I I would never go out drinking before a shift at the warehouse. Right. I just I'm like, no, I don't want to feel bad at work. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I don't know. Yeah. When everyone's doing it, mm-hmm. when all of your coworkers also feel hungover, yeah, you're like, whatever. It's just camp.
1: I used to have like just a bottle of liquor in my trunk all the time. I would just like sometimes go to my car. I'd walk there on my 30 minute break and like take shots and then I'd come back and it's interesting to think about because like now I still deal with depression and anxiety but I I think like what was making me drink before is like it's just a matter of whether your regular sober day-to-day reality feels worse or better than being drunk and now it's like yeah there's parts of my reality I don't enjoy but it still feels better than being sick and drunk and like I still was dealing with You know, what? I think working in a restaurant did help a lot with my social anxiety, Mm. just being at the cashier and like dealing with other people. And it was like the other people who worked with me, they were just from a wide array of backgrounds. And a lot of them, especially in the back of house, were immigrants. A lot of them didn't speak English. And so it just felt like all of us were so different, like, but we were all working in the same restaurant and we were all working together to make it run smoothly. And I didn't feel like that sense of like inferiority Mm. that I felt in like at at school because everyone else seemed, and I know it's like an illusion, but everyone else around me seemed to like know exactly what they were doing. What? It's an illusion, Michael? It's an illusion, Michael. (laughs) Um, That's from Arrested Development.
0: Um isn't there something weirdly special about working in a restaurant? It's yeah. like so hard and it's fucking terrible. Yeah. But it's also like this incredible display of people working together. Mhm. I don't I don't know. I I think it's because it's so fast-paced. Right. Like obviously at my warehouse job, like we all work together and got these cool projects done and like wow, it's amazing what a t- a group of people can do when they team up. Mm-hmm. But at a restaurant it's like everyone's just yelling and screaming on a Friday night and it's fast. Mm. And like, I was a delivery boy, (laughs) boy, (laughs) delivery Mm boys, but we had to like, we had to stock like the, the drinks Mm -hmm. and we had to stock, um, like plates and stuff for the waiters and the pizza guys in the front of the house. And like, we had to do all these things to keep it going while we weren't in our cars. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's astonishing what goes on in a fucking restaurant and if you've never been in the back of a restaurant when it's busy you have no idea what happens yeah insane
1: yeah i mean i used to always say like i think everyone should work a restaurant job at least once Mm -hmm. because it teaches you exactly how much goes on beyond behind the scenes and man I, i learned a lot i think about humans there and about myself and about hard work and how no one is really like above anyone else Like everyone, I don't know, it just takes so many people showing up and like doing their job and having a decent attitude to make an operation run like that. I learned a lot. Also, there's like a lot of food waste in the industry, which is upsetting. Like at the end of every day, we'd either throw away everything or we take it home. But, you know, after you've worked there for several months, you don't really want to be bringing home croissants every day.
0: And pizza in my case yeah so it would be nice if i was going to a friend's house Mm -hmm. and i'd be like oh my god thank god i can bring some freaking pizza for my friends right because i mean just late at night your friend comes over with pizza from the best pizzeria in the neighborhood (laughs) yeah you're like oh that's that's awesome i mean you know what i'm thinking about i feel like the jobs you have when you're younger i can just you're just predisposed for certain jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this team meeting we had in the warehouse years ago where we all, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name all the people in the room at the time just to show you how many people were there. But it was me, Amber, Brittany, Travis, Dylan, and Aaron. I think that was all of us. There were six of us. And we realized in this meeting that every single one of us worked as a delivery driver for a restaurant. Like when we were in high school or college. Like, yeah, Dylan did. She, Sarah just said Dylan from the bathroom because she's peeing. <laughs> Which is something that goes on far more op- often on the podcast than, um, than you listeners realize. <laughs> a small bladder. She has a tiny bladder. But yeah, all of us were like, wait, we all delivered pizza at some point in our lives. And then we all ended up working the same job at the warehouse. And it's just like... I I don't know, maybe there's more similar jobs than I realize. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, yeah. I ju- I just thought it was so interesting.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, there's just so many things to learn from working in kind of like an entry level job like that. Mm. It also made me realize like kind of how privileged I am because like I said a lot of people were immigrants and they were in like a different financial situation than me. Yeah. As in like I wasn't making that much money, but I did have a partner who was So, you know, I didn't really have to worry about not being able to afford food or a home. And a lot of these people, like, they had immigrated here and they really needed the job. And so, like, when we found out we were closing, they really didn't have the luxury of sticking around until, you know, until the close for the bonus because they needed to make sure they could line up another job. So, like, a lot of people ended up quitting. So... I don't know, it's just really interesting
0: yeah uh, i I was meaning to ask you earlier, how do you feel like the job at the cafe <clears throat> how do you feel like that helps you now when it comes to like actually cooking like, to being hmm. a chef
1: <laughs> I don't know that it i mean I definitely learned some technical skills, mostly just because like working in a restaurant that doesn't have a dynamic menu is just repetitive. Mm. So you're going to learn, like, how to use a mandolin without cutting your thumb, which happened once to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to learn how to prepare things quickly. Um, but I think more oft- more more so it just it changed my perspective to make me realize, like, I love cooking. But cooking for yourself is really not the same as cooking in a restaurant, especially like a fast casual one like that, where a lot of the pieces are preassembled. There's not really like, you know, I've never worked in like a super high, like a upscale restaurant. I'm sure the like chefs there have more ability to be creative and and expressive, but like that wasn't the case for me. So it just makes me grateful that I am now I'm able to cook what I want and get paid for it.
0: I mean, what I I notice is that like when you watch your videos, you are clearly you're clearly more advanced technically than like other people on youtube like other people who cook you know like like you like you can see like i i feel like i'm i'm good at cooking Mm -hmm. i I know how to like dice an onion which is something that a lot of people can't do yeah right but like you can tell when i do it my hands just look awkward like i can get it done (laughs) but like you can tell like when you but like when we watch you cook, mm-hmm. you're like chop, 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 and you're like, oh, yeah. clearly she actually knows what she's doing, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's something I learned entirely there, but it's definitely some, right because I've been cooking since high, like you know, high school, mm. which is a long time. Two thousand eight, yeah. like over a decade, twelve mm-hmm. years of cutting things and being invested in cutting things faster, and. Yeah, I think that is something I really like about myself is that I do have, like, the technical chops. Um, <laughs> what? Chops. chops. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was not on purpose, was it?
1: No. I like that. No. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just – cooking is – man, It's it's stressful in that circumstance. Like, there were days when – like, on the weekends, we did a lot of brunch stuff, and especially on, like, Mother's Day, Father's Day – we just weren't equipped to deal with that volume of of customers like it's hard because i don't know there's just the the cashiers can ring things up faster than you can make them so mm-hmm. it's just like you get to the point where you know you have all of the paper tickets like hung mm-hmm. in a line in the order that you're executing them and it's just like they're got there would get a come to a point where there wouldn't be enough room to hang the tickets and we're just like stacking them on the counter. And it's just remembering how miserable I felt and how it felt like there was no end. Mm -hmm. And then like, even when your shift ended, you felt bad leaving your teammates there. But also your boss is like really concerned about keeping costs low and they don't want to pay you overtime. So they're like clock out now, clock out now, Mm -hmm. clock out now. It's just that, like, adrenaline, I'm grateful I don't have to deal with it.
0: <laughs> it's so funny how there's so mm-hmm. many jobs with something similar to that. Yeah. Like, at the warehouse. Mm-hmm. The warehouse would be open for 16 hours a day, yeah. and I would work for 10 of those hours. Yeah. And I'd get in, it would be super busy, and then I'd leave, and it would still be super busy, and i feel bad leaving. Yeah, and Everyone's there's only like, no, so leave. much <laughs> you can do, you yeah. know?
1: You can't... That's another thing, is, like, if it's not your business, you can't... Like, you should do things to the best of your ability, but you can't always take things so personally, you know, you can't really see your job or the performance of your company as a reflection of your worth or value. Mm -hmm. It's just not healthy, you know, unless you feel like you want to be working for that brand, like long-term then fine by all means, but it's like at some point, certain things aren't your responsibility and you just have to do your best while you're there. And
0: yeah, when you're just an hourly worker that, has to clock in and clock out mm-hmm. it's like i don't know yeah. like the other hourly workers at the warehouse were like yeah it's eight o'clock bye like y- <laughs> you, the, the schedule says you work till eight you can leave like we're not mad at you for leaving
1: yeah well, i mean sometimes they are but that's not really a good that's boss. Not your, <laughs>
0: yeah it's not your problem it's yeah. that's something that they have to deal with yeah um okay so most recent jobs before what we both do now you want to talk about you it know, i know you don't like talking I about just this hate job. it so
1: much i i worked as a administrative assistant for a tutoring company they would sell high-end tutoring by high-end i mean expensive
2: mm, quality of a it
1: was it actually i don't know I, I really don't know but we would just sell expensive tutoring to all levels of not all levels all grades ages of children especially families who like specifically knew they wanted their children to go to ivy league schools. It's like my boss specialized in preparing kids to apply for ivies.
0: Mm. How much did he charge for a personal tutoring session? I don't know if I'm able to disclose that.
1: Several hundred dollars <laughs> per hour for just like and it wasn't a <laughs> it wasn't a tutoring session either, it was just a coaching session. Okay. I know that's pretty standard. Like life coaches make bank, you know? Like yeah. if they're You know, if they have a broad clientele base.
0: Mm -hmm. It just sounds (sighs) like a job that really isn't for you.
1: It was the worst possible job for me. It was a job where, well, first off, it was another one of those like entry level positions. And because it's entry level, it's like they can tell you to do whatever they want As in, like, I thought I'd be doing mostly administrative tasks, but it also kind of bled into my CEO's personal life. Mm. And to the point where I'm, like, trying to find someone to do the laundry of the CEO and, like, the other, his other, like, lackeys, you know? He had, like, favorite. He had, like, the pets.
0: Can you tell the story about the Costco thing? (sighs) It's so funny.
1: Listen, this guy prided himself on being extremely frugal. One day he gave me a couple, like this pile of of things that he would like me to try to return to Costco, some of which he had purchased like years ago, one of which was this like whiskey barrel, this tiny like whiskey barrel. You put your whiskey in there and I guess it infuses it with like oak flavor or something.
0: How big? Can you give me a...
1: Like this big, like a, you know, a a less than a foot across Yeah, on a little stand. Hmm. A foot tall. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I need you to bring this back. I don't have the packaging or anything. I need you to get me a refund um, because the whiskey disappeared. And he's like, and you need to tell them that I'm aware of this thing called angel's share, which is like the, the whiskey evaporates. The, <laughs> the barrel, like the wood of the barrel absorbs some of the whiskey. Oh, right. It's closed. So and it's not, then it yeah. it evaporates a little bit. He's like, I'm aware of what the angel's share is. This was more than that. <laughs> like, and I'm like, It was
0: completely what? empty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so and what I, did you do? I just told him I tried and I couldn't, but I didn't actually try. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing was like this old like Connects set. And it looked like it was from like 96 or something. Like that kind of like retro looking packaging. Man, that was terrible. I would go to Costco on like... <laughs> every single day I was responsible for picking up lunch for everyone. Like arranging and picking up lunch for everyone at two different offices. <sighs>
0: I mean, you know us well enough by now. You know why this is so bad for Sarah.
1: So I would try to find places that would let me order online as much as possible. But it's like, then I would have to, sometimes I would have to call and order like 30, not 30 things, like 10 things with like all the customizations. Then I'd have to go pick it up. And like driving the Bay Area is really not like a trivial matter.
0: It's like a. It's like a task every time you have to get in the car.
1: And he was like always on me about managing costs. And so then one day I was like, okay, guys, we're ordering from our usual deli. It's called Driftwood Deli in Woodside. Let me know what your sandwich order is. However, nobody can order cheese because it's a dollar extra. And then one of my boss's pets... (laughs) (laughs) was like upset that he couldn't put cheese on his sandwich so then he complained to me and to the boss and that rule was taken away
0: because they could have cheese wow
1: and then my boss was like hey go to costco we're gonna have a weekly uh (laughs) you know costco has a dollar fifty hot dogs and beverages
0: you said hot dog like in new york hot dogs
1: they get they got rid of their polish dogs anyway so my boss being a cheapskate loves that I can feed the office with hot dogs. Mm. But I'm like standing in Costco putting everyone's like custom like toppings and relish and <laughs> onions on there. And you have 10 hot dogs and I have a bunch of drinks, but like And you're
0: a vegetarian.
1: Yeah, my teacher's pet does not like Costco hot dogs because they give him a headache, so I have to go find him like a suitable soup that he might enjoy
0: i hate that i hate <laughs> even just listening to it i mean i can't get over the fucking whiskey barrel because i'm like that's like me like my xbox that yeah. i have mm-hmm. which is now 10 years old mm-hmm. that's like me asking my dad where he bought it for me when when i was a teenager <laughs> and it. trying to return it saying yeah i uh, bought it my dad bought this for me in 2010 yeah can i return this they're like you bought it at you bought it at a.'" Uh, what's the what's the electronic store the with the yellow one uh radio shack no it was wasn't Best the Buy. yellow one it wasn't pc richards
1: oh my i don't pc richard
0: yeah <laughs> i've it, never heard of it's that. uh circuit city oh my circuit god city. that's I like think. oh yeah we bought it at circuit city in 2010 and they're out of business <laughs> go try to, to return to costco <laughs> yeah i think it's so funny it's so you To say, oh, sorry, I they wouldn't accept it, and for you to just like throw it out in a dumpster and then lie to him about it. What what does he want? What does he
1: expect? I don't know, man. So funny. Yeah, that's insane. Well, it's funny because we're watching this K drama called Itaewon Class, and one of the main characters looks exactly like my boss, and it's mildly triggering. (laughs) Besides the character being a villain, I also don't like my boss, so.
0: Do you think you can, and yes, pun intended, (laughs) distill all of your experiences down into uh, some kind of learning experience?
1: Okay. Listen, when I started working this job, I was like so excited because it felt like an adult job. It was like, okay, you can't do the food thing. Go work at this office. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm an adult. I work nine to six or eight to six, depending. Then I drive home. And I eat a gross meal because I'm too tired to cook. And then I do it all again every single day. What's a
0: gross meal? Is your eye okay?
1: Yeah. Anyway, and then like you go to the holiday party and you get fucked up. And then when you spend time with your work friends outside of work, you complain about work all day, the entire time. And then all of you stay working there. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. Because there's no other choice.
1: Yeah. It's just like... Some jobs just aren't work are, aren't for you, you know. Sometimes like you, do, there's just no way that you want to like. There's no point. Like, I I would rather work at Starbucks again than work the job that pays more, but where I'm like constantly like in fight or flight mode because mm. I hate answering phones. I hate driving. I hate <laughs> people. Or in no, food. um, I'm like calling all these families every single day to ask them. Like how their kids are getting along with the tutors, but I've never had an opportunity to meet any of the tutors because they're all contractors and they're spread out around the Bay area. And there's no like, I don't. There's no way for me to know like this is the personality of this tutor. This is where they really shine, so I can make a good like assessment as to which child they should be working with. Like I just don't know, and I'm just blindly making all of these. I don't know. It's just sometimes you can tell. Like you're not being given all of the materials you need to succeed, and at that point, like you have to step away. Like you just do. Yeah,
0: because you're like, I could do such a better job, and it if wasn't you just provided me with a little more.
1: Yeah, and it's like you want to see these kids succeeding, and it's like really nice when parents, like when they're that you do happen to make a good match. And a kid's, like, really thriving, and they have a really good connection with the tutor. But sometimes it's just clear that, like, maybe that is not, like, maybe it's mostly just profit that is the main, I don't know.
0: It is a business. I mean, and, yeah, it's important to say, okay, well, clearly I'm not going to be able to fix this. I can't make my boss... I don't even know what it would entail to give you the proper resources to right. make better matches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I'm going to quit Yeah. and he's going to hire someone else. Maybe they can, f- they can get him to fix it.
1: I believe the person that followed in my footsteps ended up being like really good for the job and like has a really good rela- relationship with my boss. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I mean, it just goes back to that thing we keep talking about, which is like, you know, you don't have to stick around and do your job poorly and hate every second of it. There's someone who will enjoy your job.
0: Yeah. And also, I can't, I mean, you're smart and you're nice and stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, I feel like any company would be privileged to have you working for them.
1: I should have been a tutor, really. Well, yeah.
0: And and that's what I'm going to say is the fact that no one there, including your boss, could be like. Sarah, I can tell this job is really hard for you, but we want to keep you around. So, like, is there any other role we can train, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, like, move you somewhere else because you're worth being a part of the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just just just, don't think that was
1: on their radar because the thing is that, like I said, this is not just, like, a regular tutoring company. It's, like, a tutoring company for very wealthy families who are already planning when their child is in fifth grade that they're going to go to Harvard or Yale, you know, and they're making all of their decisions based on that assumption or that goal. Mm-hmm. And so those people are going to want tutors who have some kind of status. And I didn't really have that. I just, I had the degree, but like, I didn't have that much to show for it. I wasn't in grad school. I wasn't working for, you know, a technology firm or, or anything. So it was like, I, I can see that it wouldn't have been, I don't know, like a good marketing tactic to have me teaching kids, even though I would have been a great tutor for a lot of different subjects. So, you know, it worked out. I'm not there anymore. I don't talk to any of those people, really. Mm-hmm. I talked to a few of the people, I guess, who's like vaguely who's, who used to work with me, but no one that I worked with there still works there anymore, you know?
0: I just can't imagine being a parent and caring so much about, like, where my kid went to school. Mm -hmm. Because now as I get older, I'm like, if we have kids, I just want them to be happy. I just want them to do something with their life that makes them feel good. Yeah. Because I come from a very privileged background, Mm -hmm. and it's still been very hard for me. Yeah. Like, I went to college for free and studied something I liked. Mm -hmm. and I mean you guys know the story we have 50 episodes of the podcast Mm -hmm. you know and I'm like I'm struggling yeah my brain Mm -hmm. so like I can't imagine bullying a child into yeah like you're gonna go to Harvard and they're like I want to be a ballet dancer and I'm like you're going to Harvard
1: yeah I think it's I mean some of the cases you could definitely tell were like that Mm. and like the parent was quite bulldozy but you know I think a lot of them were well-intentioned i think if you had a a lot of means you know to help your child build like a life that could be very successful like why not
0: i mean it's Um, like people people give taylor swift mm -hmm. shit for like how she got started in the music industry Mm -hmm. they're like well taylor swift like didn't even deserve it she you know her dad like bought part of the studio in nashville Mm-hmm. And like set her up for success, and I'm like, yeah, but that's what I would want to do for my kid. Yeah, I mean like that's, that's the gr- point
1: of being successful,
0: right? It's, exactly to have leverage. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like he was paying people to put her on the radio. Like mm-hmm. she, she's Taylor Swift. She's talented. Right. I mean, people just love to hate on her. That's a whole separate story. But it's like there's nothing wrong with her dad doing that. B- what is he going to do? Be like, oh, I'm not going to use any of my money to help you with your career you could just figure it out yourself yeah like no that's that's good we should be encouraging that mm. but you know people love to hate people especially right. successful wealthy people
1: yeah because it feels more empowering like to hate on someone and list their privilege as a reason why they can have it and you can't right when you could just you know try really hard <laughs> and yeah. maybe you could have it too there are definitely a lot of those rags to riches stories out there, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get famous both ways. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I don't think it's something to be to be talked about so negatively.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess, like, kind of to wrap this topic up, we've been talking for a while. Unless you want to talk a bit more about the warehouse. It's funny because I, the warehouse is over... Your time working there overlaps with our podcast. hmm And everyone... Is I think who's been listening for a while is kind of familiar with.
0: That's why I don't want to talk about it because I'm like I feel like it's.
1: Give us a TLDR.
0: TLDR. Um, I I don't even know how, and that's why I was like, I want to ask Sarah for a TLDR about the warehouse. No, about your last job. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, like I just asked. I was like, oh, give me sum up what you learned. You know, and I'm like, I hope she doesn't ask me about that with the warehouse. Well, cause here I'm like, I don't even... I'll sum
1: it up. You started working there after moving to Colorado, trying to find work in the music industry, but this was going to be like your daytime job. And then your side hustle was going to be the music thing. And then you got trapped there for several years.
0: Three of them.
1: You did like, there was some upward mobility there. Mm -hmm. You earned more, made a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. So it was like a good, but, you know, you were like stagnating there, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then got laid off with a third of your company in February, uh, January. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And then... Best um, thing that
1: ever happened to you.
0: Yeah. And now I, I mean, I technically work for myself. Mm -hmm. I technically have a business. You do have a
1: business. I know.
0: It's just, it's like when you're like when you're first starting out and you're not like raking it in, Mm -hmm. it's hard to say like, I have a business.
1: But like... just acknowledge any any of you who are listening in the similar position where you're like you want to be self-employed as soon as you make your first like hundred bucks i mean that's further than most people ever get you know most people never take the first step to like Mm -hmm. build their own thing yeah and i remember when i you know adsense you get paid out monthly but you have to meet a threshold and I had been making YouTube videos for a couple of years before one of them gained traction. And I finally hit that $100 threshold. And I was like, holy shit, I've made it. And like, I think it's so important to relish those experiences because, I don't know, the human mind. Like, we just have this way of immediately, like, um, what's the word?
0: Discounting yourself? Like, um, Discrediting yourself? Becoming
1: becoming... What's the word where you get oriented to something and you stop noticing it as new?
0: Oh, desensitized?
1: Yeah, you get desensitized to your progress. And then you're like, okay, well, $100 isn't enough. And you always want more and more and more. But just remember when you were working at, you know, a shitty job and you thought you would be working there for the rest of your life because there was no clear path forward or out of it. Mm. And then it's like, wait, like if you can make a hundred dollars doing something, you can make two hundred and five hundred and a yeah. thousand and you know. Yeah. So, you know,
0: also, just keep S- that in perspective. Sarah and I, perspectivize it. Perspective I want to make shirts sure that say perspectivize mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. Um I <laughs> Sarah and I both started our businesses while we were working at our most recent jobs. So like I went part time at my job. So I could start doing freelance music and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, which I think obviously really helped get to where I am now. And you started doing Sarah's Vegan Kitchen after work. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you quit your job and yeah, now you're, now you're you.
1: I do want to say, I mean, I'm such a proponent of people starting their own things. I, I never want to say that you should take a leap. And, like, quit your job before you feel like you have that safety net. Mm. I do think you should always have a safety net. Um, Unless you're, like, so certain that it's going to work out, then by all means. But then you're probably not listening to this podcast, (laughs) you know. But, like, if you're in that, like, in-between phase where you're, like, not sure if you have enough going on in your, like, side hustle to make your life, you know, comfortable. And, you know, I just... I'm never a proponent of just like jumping off a bridge and like taking on all that risk because I forget who it was. But in an interview, like an artist or a, an author was talking about how like, if you think about yourself in relation to like as think of yourself as if you're in a relationship with your art or your craft and it it's unfair to put that much pressure on your Art to sustain you you know you want to you need that creative freedom to sometimes to make good work you know
0: and it definitely it helped me to just be doing theme songs and other freelance work mm-hmm. like on my off days mm-hmm. from the warehouse because that was i wasn't amazing at it yet yeah you know so it helped me like figure out the best ways to just to get better at it. Yeah. And now I don't have the warehouse job anymore, but I feel like, okay, well now I'm a professional at this. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and it makes it much easier to be like, give me all the work. Yeah. Cause you could feel overwhelmed if you get a bunch of work and you're like, well, I'm still like Mm -hmm. not great at this. I'm still like working on it. Like I worked on it when there was low pressure and I'm like, okay, now this is my income. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I can knock these out of the park.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, I guess, like, my takeaway here is I think most of us will work jobs that feel shitty to us in our lifetimes unless, you know, you're tremendously fortunate and just find your passion right out of the gate and, you know, find a job that aligns with it. And I we've both talked a lot about, like, having bad attitudes at work. And I think it's natural to you know, feel bad and sad and feel despair when you're working a job that's not in alignment with, you know, your values or what you think you have with your potential, you know? But I would say that until you reach a position in that work where you know that you can leave, you do still have an obligation to like show up and do your best. Mm. I think like one of the worst things that you can do is be in a job indefinitely like with no plan of leaving and showing up every day and feeling shitty about it and talking shit about it like that's just it's not healthy
0: and that's definitely what i was doing towards the end and it wasn't yeah. healthy and it made everything worse and yeah
1: then you got pushed out of the nest and it worked out for you
0: it you really know? did like it's and then just... there was a pandemic right mm-hmm. which would have been especially bad because i would have
1: had to keep going to I would job. have had
0: some issue with going into work when everyone was like, you shouldn't go to work anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that because I don't know what kind of trouble it would, would have caused, but it would have caused trouble.
1: Right. I just really believe that there there is something to be learned from every job that you are in. And as long as you're there, even even if it's not your ultimate goal to stay there forever or to climb the ranks there, like, try to find what can be learned what skills might be applicable applicable Mm -hmm. applicable (laughs) applicable applicable to your dream career
0: because there, everything is right you'll realize once you start your business or start doing your dream job yeah you're like oh i did learn Mm -hmm. like technical things like i know a lot about shipping now because i was (laughs) shipping supervisor of a warehouse yes and like i don't know when that'll come in handy but it will
1: right there's just always something to be learned. So even if you are, you know, just try to have, I know this goes is easier to say than to live by sometimes, and I by no means have always had the best attitude, even within my job now, which I feel very fortunate to have and to be in control of. but just try to, you know, keep things in perspective and learn what you can and and as long as you are committed to staying there for whatever period of time, just try to have a good attitude and to do a good job because that's kind of like um, like when we think about meditation as this thing we do in isolation, like in silence with our eyes closed, sitting down. Really, everything in life can be seen that way, even if it means like going to your work at a coffee shop and just staying present as you are, you know, putting soy milk in the fridge or mopping a floor just always try to do things, you know, with integrity and t- to the best of your ability. And that kind of becomes your meditation wherever, you're, wherever you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I have anything else to add to that.
1: Okay. Before we, up very nicely. <laughs> before we wrap it up. Positivity box? positivity box.
0: I mean, it's easy. We have a joint one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? Bagels? Oh, I was going to say three, two, one, bagels. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Uh, yeah, bagels. My- uh, for, any,
1: for Sorry, for any new listeners, Positivity Box is just a thing we try to do every week where we mention something that is making us happy or excited or interested, uh, whether it's related to the topic or not.
0: So this week, our Positivity Box is that Sarah made a batch of bagels a few days ago, and she was like, eh, they're just slightly off. I, she's like, I need, I need a good New York bagel, and I need to <laughs> dissect it and, like learn about the texture and how i can achieve that mm. so i texted my dad and i was like hey will you go to country hot the best bagel <laughs> place in my hometown and send us a dozen bagels and he's like sure he did he did this thing my the classic glenn move is i said i'll venmo you because he's like they're going to be expensive to, to to ship overnight right i'm like i'll venmo you and then he goes it's okay i got it <laughs> and i'm like wait <laughs> I was like, I felt bad because you were mode. like, what'd you say? Pop mode. Yeah. Dad mode initiated. I felt bad because they're mm-hmm. expensive. I'm like, I'll pay for them. He was like, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> thanks for the bagels, dad.
1: Thanks so we, for the
0: bagels. Hey, yo, pops. Pop. Thanks for the bagels. Uh, so yeah, we got a dozen bagels in the mail the other day and Sarah. They're so good. Can't stop eating them.
1: I had one bagel when I visited them in New York. What? like Last summer? Last summer. I don't really remember it though. Maybe yeah, isn't that well I think they had been the, frozen you know it was the stress of, the of being freezer. with my
0: family for a week <laughs> it made you forget the bagel
1: but i mean they're just so good i was doing research i'm like because i'm so into making my own staples now and i want to learn more about bread and pastry especially and uh i don't know everyone's saying like oh it's because the new york water is soft mm-hmm. and so it makes the bagel like chewy, chewy and yet tender. It's like the perfect texture. And it's like it it is the texture. It's like crispy but soft and chewy and it's like I I don't know. Like will I I will despair if I can't replicate these results.
0: <laughs> it's so it's so funny because as a New Yorker, we're all like a bagels are the best, a pizza is the best. The piece is not the, the best. The hot <laughs> dogs are the best. And everyone who's not from New York is like Will you shut up, man? You're just
1: being a New Yorker.
0: <laughs> right. And then Sarah gets a bagel. And, Babe, is it the best bagel we have ever had? Babe, it's the best bagel you have ever had, right? She's like, it's the best bagel we have ever had. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. The pizza, though. And no, let's not talk nah, about that. Nah, <laughs> and, then, and then we feed bagels to Sarah's mom and sister. And I'm like, they're the best bagels we have ever had, right? And they're like, they're really, really, yeah, they're really good. <laughs> and I'm like, I told you I'm not crazy. Right. We're not crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're just right.
1: I mean, you're crazy, but... About the bagels, you are saying clearly. Right. That was some weird, like Yoda esque <laughs> phrasing there. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you guys for listening. If you made it to this this far, this is a long episode.
0: I, you know, it was one of those episodes where thirty minutes in, I, I was like, "Is oh. this good content?" Like, really? I don't know. I just, I was. It was one of those where I was like, "Am I boring
1: people?"
0: With well, that's my, the thing. I is, worked like,
1: at camp. It's not glamorous all the time. Like, yeah. not everyone's like, I, I don't know.
0: And then you blink and we've been recording for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Hopefully this helps someone or like, you know, I just I, I just love to know like when some famous person or some like wildly successful person that I know like used to work at Home Depot or something, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And I mean, something we learned, I mean, we've been learning this as time goes on, but something that really drove the point home was opening our emails a few days ago. mm and being like huh we're content creators that some people look up to yeah and like can't and like want to make contact with mm. and i'm like because that's what i do to people you know
1: no do you ever
0: i know i just i try <laughs> to make the connects you know yeah. but i'm like huh i'm that person for some oh people. when you say
1: connects that's what he had me try to return connects
0: yeah aren't the like the little magnetic balls?
1: I don't know what they are, but anyway, anyway. Sorry.
0: Um, yeah. So it uh it makes you feel good. Yes. So thank you so much for listening and yeah. supporting if you're a supporter.
1: Thank you. I hope you have jazz. a good Thanksgiving if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Stay safe. Stay safe. Pandemic. We're gonna, blah blah blah. We're going to be hunkering down just in our house with my mom and sister making a little mostly vegan if not entirely vegan. Mhm. Meal, which is cool i'm glad that they're down for that
0: maybe i'll actually watch football oh my there's th- nine hours of football on oh
1: i want to make a cocktail like a cranberry juice
0: cocktail i thought we were gonna get the bud light christmas maybe. time flavors we'll
1: see we'll All see right. where my intuition guides me
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> and we will talk to you next week in december
1: oh god
0: right yeah i think so
1: yeah wow what a year
0: what a year
1: we love it yeah we'll have to do a
0: 2020 roundup oh my god i would love to yeah i really would all right well we'll talk to you next week
1: all right bye guys
0: bye